Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Karakache, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you and we are thrilled to be on this journey together. Relationships play a huge factor in our lives. Whether we are currently in a committed relationship, thriving solo, or figuring out how to choose the right partner. Today's episode breaks down the fundamentals to having healthy relationships in our lives. Stephanie Essenfeld is an individual and couples therapist who is helping people literally untangle their lives through therapy. She teaches us what healthy and unhealthy relationships look like, how we can better communicate our wants and needs, and what statistics and data today are showing about the top reasons why people get a divorce. There were so many insightful moments on this episode, but here are some of our favorites. This was for me very shocking. The average couple waits six years of being in an unhappy marriage before seeking counseling. So, So problems start and they wait six years until they say, okay, maybe it's time to seek help. Maybe if you're listening to this before getting married, to know that life is is life and it has ups and it has down and, and you're marrying someone that's completely different from you even if they're from the same culture right. same school trust me i know <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe he wouldn't have done it if he would have thought like she's not gonna go on a second date if i say this right but he was very intelligent because he said you know what if he do- if she doesn't go on a second date because of this then she's not for me Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. First of all, I have to say, I came across your Instagram and that bio totally just grasped me. (laughs) It says untangling lives through therapy. Yes. Everyone welcome Stephanie, please. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. Of course, of course. Tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about your journey and um, what you do. Yeah, so my name is Stephanie Essenfeld. I'm, I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. And after graduating, well, in my master's, I lear- learned a lot and it was an incredible journey. But then I graduated and I did my own personal healing journey. And also I started studying a lot of different um, modalities. Mm-hmm specifically dialectical behavioral therapy. And I saw and I learned so many tools that they were only being catered to to people that had this, um, you know, what psychologists call personality disorder, which Mm. is a borderline personality disorder. And and these were tools that were helping me in my Mm. life. And every time I talked about them with people that came to my therapy that didn't necessarily were diagnosed with this disorder. And when I taught them these different tools, they, they, they really worked and they were amazing and it helped them in such a way that I was like, I need to get this out there. And not just the dialectical behavioral therapy tools, but like all the other tools that I learned in, in my master's. They're so important. It's just so unfair that it's mm-hmm. only being taught to therapist like it it should really be out there and there's so many people that don't have access to Mm, therapy so also I've been to therapy and (laughs) and I experienced my first therapy experience was 
when I was in in school and everything that I I was being taught not to do was basically being done mm. in therapy. And it was very confusing. I remember I left every session feeling very, very confused and very tangled. Yeah. Like very tangled. <laughs> very appropriate. Yeah. That that's how I viewed it. Yeah. Like I, I was more tangled than when I came in. Like yeah. wow. I had more problems in my mind than when I than than those that I came in with. I wasn't allowed to lead. Like the therapist had to lead. People in my life were labeled. Like literally labeled. Like wow. even someone in my life was called monster. And, oh and it was gosh. just really bad because then obviously this expert is referring to this person with this name and not just monster. Like there were many other labels right, right. that was that I didn't right. even, even mention. It was the therapist. So, so I was just very surprised and very upset mm -hmm. because I knew this person was seeing many people that I knew. And I searched for another therapist that had my same degree and that studied exactly the same masters that I studied right. in the same school. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really incredible process. So that's how I came up with this name of Therapy Untangled because mm -hmm. yes, I went to my to this new therapist and I really felt untangled mm -hmm. when I left the therapy the therapy room. So that's I wanted amazing. to provide exactly the same. That's I love amazing. that it stemmed from like a personal experience to you, um, for you, because I definitely do think that there is that, I guess, a little aspect of fear when trying to go to a therapist, right? It's like you, you want to get help, but you're also afraid what might, this person might diagnose me of something yeah. or like tangle me even more or like it is a little bit of a scary yeah. aspect yeah and then when you come across pages and therapists like you it's like you're like wow this isn't so bad and I feel okay like it's it's not this scary thing anymore so that's amazing thanks for sharing that yeah absolutely so from your experience I know you have a lot of clients which is amazing <laughs> what do you think is the number one reason why people come and see you so mostly relationship issues mm -hmm. and not necessarily husband, wife or boyfriend, girlfriend. It can be even relationship with sisters yeah, right. <laughs> um, or the relationship with their parents or the relationship with their child. Like, But usually there's some kind of trouble in a, in a relationship mm -hmm. and they don't know how to deal with it. I do also have a lot of clients since I'm from Venezuela and a lot of clients that immigrated here and mm. they are starting and they have that trouble right. um, with identity because they are, don't really know how they fit into this society, American society, what to do, how to start over, maybe financial issues. or So I do have a lot of clients that are kind of lost, mm -hmm. which is very normal, you know, right. after it spending is. your whole life creating a life and, a, and, and an identity and a role in, in a certain place, having to start over with mm -hmm. your whole family in a, in a new place, yeah. it is very... It's, it's challenging. Yeah. Challenging for sure. And, you know, it, it's funny because, well, it's not necessarily funny, but, you know, we hear so much about relationships and our generation is just like, okay, if I'm in a relationship, how do I know that this is the right one? How do I know if we're having problems? Like all these things are happening. So from a counseling perspective in couples, 
What are some of the issues that you have seen that are most popular? Yes, so um, mostly is communication issues. Okay. Mm-hmm. We tend to grow up and we know how to, we learn how to communicate mm-hmm. through what's modeled. Mm. Right. From like our parents. From our parents or caregivers or even teachers mm. or friends, you know, like we, we see how people talk with each other and that's what we right. start learning and we start doing exactly the same thing. So if we maybe had a parent that was an avoidant and, and very passive communicator and which is usually passive communication is when you avoid subjects. So if you are mad because of something was done to you that you didn't like, you're so scared of of talking about it because you don't know what reaction might the other person have that you just avoid. The other type of communication that I see often is the aggressive one, which is when you do say what's on your mind, but it comes out very aggressively and you're not taking into account the feelings of the other person. You're just stepping on, on top stepping of them. On them yeah. Right. And then the other type of communication that I see often is the passive aggressive mm-hmm. when it's when you do say say it, but you say it in a very indirect way. Right. So it's let's say typical the woman um, is at home and the husband comes and say, Hey, can you watch my can you wash my clothes? And she would be really mad because I don't know, she wants <laughs> she doesn't want to do that and she's yeah. like of course do you want a coffee do you want a right do you want a massage smart ass comments <laughs> yeah. exactly so that's like I, I'm mad with you but yeah, I'm not willing right. to tell you but but I, right. I'm willing to say comments well, for why you why do to... people do that why can't people just express themselves because they're afraid mm-hmm. because they're afraid or they don't know how to mm-hmm. like for example when I studied and a lot of people have the same reaction as me like when I studied assertive communication it was brand new to me Mm -hmm. it was brand new to me like wow I can't believe there's this tools where I can talk about my feelings you know I can be vulnerable I can talk about what I need I can say what I need Mm -hmm. so you wait there was a course that taught you this Yes, for wow. me it was um, when I was studying dialectical behavioral therapy, but there's so many courses out there. Like it's not necessarily within the dialect DBT, that's how I call it, um, DBT model. Right. And there's so many courses, there's so many books. I can that's amazing. tell you some after so you can yeah. drop it in the notes. Definitely. And but it's so crazy. Yeah. What, shouldn't we be learning about this just how we are learning math in school? 100%. That's what I always say. There's, yeah. And not just that, like emotional intelligence, even meditation yes. and mindfulness, all of these tools or I don't right. know how or practices they should be learned in yeah. school. 100%. I mean, I feel like this would help us so much better in life, right? And And especially like, you know, for example, choosing the right partner, right? Which is something that's really popular mm-hmm. too, that people are just like, how do I even pick the right person? Am I in the right relationship? You know, I don't feel like we even know what that is because like what you were saying, we get examples from our parents, Mm -hmm. caregivers, teachers, and then it's a little bit confusing and especially coming from a Latino environment. Well, it's a bit tangled, I would say. It's very tangled. I want to know a little bit about like statistic wise, what you've seen, like even in your field when it comes to relationships Mm -hmm. and more importantly, like divorces. What are some of the top like reasons people are getting divorced and then I really want to get into choosing the right partner because I think that that's like the number one request (laughs) that we have been getting 
from our audience. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. So um, I did this whole set of stories. I think it was like a year ago when I was talking about the Gottman techniques. Gottman, John Gottman is like one of the fathers of couples therapy. Oh, wow. And he, he gives a lot of tools. So um, I gave this facts that I found in a lawyer's page and some other pages. I'm not sure how reliable they are, but I'm pretty sure they are. Okay. And I think this was from 2012. Okay. 67 of all married couples will divorce within 40 years. I think this is in, wow. in, in the U and here in the US. Yeah. Wow. Half of all divorces occur in the first seven years. Mm. For second marriages, the divorce rate is 10% higher than for first marriages. The average couple waits six, this was for me very shocking. The average couple waits six years of being in an unhappy marriage before seeking counseling. So, oh, wow. so problems start and they wait six years until they say, okay, maybe it's time to seek help. Right. Wow. And these couples have been fighting and building resentment for the past six years. So, Sometimes they come and they're like, and, and they want therapists to, I don't know, give them yeah. a magic, po- right. yeah. it, a, a magic potion, a potion right. <laughs> to, um, to, to make their, their marriage work. Yeah. But that's not really, that's a lot of people think that couples therapy is for make their marriage work and not necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's for them to communicate mostly and figure out what really they want to do. Mm-hmm. So, and I usually give them three options. And I also did another post on that. I'll also share it with you guys to see it on the notes because it it states it very, very clearly. When your partner has something that you don't like, anything, that you know that they're not going to change because you've spent a great deal of time trying to change it. Mm -hmm. And you basically have three options. You can reject reality, which is what usually we all do. Mm. We reject the reality that this thing that you don't like exists. And and that it's probably not going to change. So you can reject reality and continue to struggle with it for 10 more years or the rest of your life. You can accept the fact that that he has this behavior or thing (laughs) or habit that you don't Mm -hmm. like. Accept it and learn how to truly truly accept it while living with them but not struggle with it anymore just not just accept, you accept, just accept it. it yeah like let's say our partner snores like okay maybe i should start wearing earplugs or <laughs> i don't know i have or sleep seen, in another room yeah, yeah or sleep in another room or the third option is accept again accept that it exists and decide that you cannot live with that you cannot have a you cannot be happy in a marriage where this person continues to do this again and again right. and decide that you that you want to leave. Right. So you have basically those three options. I remember the other I mean, day. they're pretty practical options. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And but but the first option is usually what we do. We right. we struggle with it for the rest of our life, making yeah. ourselves pretty miserable. Right. I think it's also like um you know I've I've seen this just in observing, right? Because we are so observing, like that's in our nature. And in older generations, I've seen this common thread of suffering and silence. I think women have for a long time. And I think it's very interesting because now, you know, as women were having these conversations, therapy and like 
all this knowledge is really at our fingertips now. And it's been really interesting to see kind of how that shift has been changing. What are some of the things that you feel have changed in your practice when you are meeting couples? And I don't know if you would be open to talking about it, but like, have you seen changes like between millennials and maybe older generations that you that are some of your clients? 100%. I've seen so many changes and it makes me so, so happy. I see more and more people like us, millennials, mm-hmm. coming to therapy and they're not ashamed at all. They talk to their friends about it. Right. Like right. it's a, a conversation. Like, yeah, the other day I was talking with my friend and I told her that I was seeing you and she told me she was seeing their, her therapist and we <laughs> started exchanging ideas. Yeah. So it's been like, a, it's not, I don't see it as a taboo mm-hmm. anymore. Like a lot of times I ask my client when there's a client waiting outside, I'm like, do you want me to take you through the other door so he she doesn't see you. No. Yeah, like, <laughs> no. Problem. No problem. And so I see a lot of boyfriend and girlfriend coming to therapy for premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been seeing a lot lately. That's great. It actually, is great. Because people are taking the time to make sure that this is something they want to do forever. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I don't too. think I've ever what, heard of that before. What are some of the things that you look for or at least try to teach in compatibility. Like, what are those things that you feel people should be, when in search of relationships, be looking out for? Where are they compatible in? Yeah. So the first time a couple com- comes in, like, I really try first to make them very comfortable mm-hmm. with me. Like, I, I really want to make sure that to create that connection and that trusting environment. And the moment they feel safe, which is, like, my primary goal. Right. And the moment they feel safe, I ask them to have that uncomfortable conversation that they've been that they've been either avoiding or that they've tried to have, and it goes nowhere south. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> and it goes really bad, and then it kind of like they just like again swoop it under the rug right. because of how bad it went, and they just tr- really try to not touch the subject again. So I'm like, okay, so let's bring the subject up. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at each other and let's and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I I will I promise I'll stop you a million times and I'm gonna throw tools for you to have this conversation with the tools and see how you can have this conversation that it was destructive before. We can have it right now constructively. Right. Right. So in a safe environment. In a safe yeah. environment. And I, I can see wonders. Like, I, I really see wonders because they give themselves permission to be vulnerable. They mm-hmm. they cry. They, they So I asked the other person that has no idea how to validate the feelings of the partner. I start explaining what validation means. Right. And, and, and they start applying validation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels so good for the other partner. Right, so right. they're like, this is what I wanted. Right, yeah. right. So it, it really, it's like fireworks in front of me. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so amazing. amazing. And I'm sure it's so fulfilling for you, it right? Is. It is. These things like such as behaviors of not being able to validate and really not being able to communicate. Because ultimately, that's what they always say in relationships. Like if you have communication, if you're right. able to have that good communication flow between both people, that's really ultimately what good relationships are, would you say? Yes, yes, because then they are able to make decisions. You know, mm-hmm. they're able to 
So definitely good communication before marriage is huge because mm -hmm. there's a lot of topics that people need to talk about before they get married. Like mm -hmm. I've seen couples that come to me that they're like, you know, we've been married for two years and now she brought the subject of having kids, but I don't want kids. Mm. And it's like, why did you talk about this before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the same yeah. thing, but like, you know, my dream has always been to live in LA, but he wants to live here in Miami. You know, right. I'm just making up. Right, right, right. Um, and, and it's... Things like that that are very non-negotiable, not right. non-solvable. Because right. how can you solve somebody wanting kids and the other person not wanting kids? Right. Like, how are right. you going to sacrifice? Yeah, yes, yeah, someone something happiness. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And if there's one person that just because of conditioning, because of whatever it was that they saw growing up, just does not have the ability to communicate and. Let's say you're in a relationship with somebody like that. Like, what are the tools that you can give someone to help their partner open up more? So definitely empathy. That's huge. Curiosity. I think those are the most important validation. Mm. So the more, the more empathy you show your partner, the more your partner is going to feel safe right. to open up the more validation of whatever he or she is feeling, the more they're going to want to open up because they're not feeling any judgment. They're feeling right. the contrary of judgment. They're feeling validation. So right. my feelings are valid. Mm -hmm. Right. And curiosity. So, yeah, we tend to, to make judgments a lot, and, and we tend to not only make judgments but want to fix things mm -hmm. and not only want to fix things but also maybe share my experience about it right. you know like oh this happened to you but this happened to me too like how m often yeah. does that happen oh, yeah. so often yeah. oh my gosh it's like all of a sudden the conversation goes about you yes or like to the person that you're I talking to but in a way in retrospect do you like Would you say that people do that so that the person doesn't feel alone? Because I feel like sometimes people do, oh, well, that happened to me. And I think that that's counterproductive, would you say? Um, it really, really depends. Right. It really depends because it can be validating to, to, think, to, to feel that we're not alone. Right. But also it kind of cuts the other person off to keep sharing. And if you're, and, 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 and your question was how can we help the other person to open up to us. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is counter counterproductive right. because you want that person to, to really feel that they're being listened to. Mm -hmm. Maybe after you listen and after you empathize and after you validate and after you're curious enough, maybe then you can say, you know what, as you were talking and I was reflecting and listening, my mind kept going back to this experience that I had that was very similar that I want to share with you now. Now right. I want to be vulnerable with you. Right. So um, making that space to really, really listen and be curious. And it's like, this is your space right now. Mm. Then I'll share mine. It's very, it, it's, it's magical. Crucial, yeah. yeah. I think that that's really amazing because sometimes you, you hear the, the term very loosely. You have to have communication. Right. Yeah, but, but where what do you the start? heck does yeah. that even mean? Yeah. Where do I start? What's the right way of doing it? And I love what you just said because it gives it a place where you're validating that person and what they're saying. And now you're saying, I would also love to be vulnerable with you. Mm -hmm. So it gives that person that space to say, wow, we're on the same floor. We're on the same, you know, the same uh, frequency. And I think that that's truly powerful. 
I want to talk about healthy relationships and what exactly does that look like? And, you know, you hear so much about people fight, there's arguments and things happen, right? Because I, I, at least I believe that in a couple, you're coming together as a team. I don't believe you're becoming one because you're two individuals coming together and working as a team to take on life together. But things happen because when you are a team, you know, you have different opinions and different things. What does a healthy relationship look like when it comes to disagreements, arguments, fights? What's healthy? So respecting what the other person needs Mm -hmm. at a moment of a fight, that's very important. So if the other person needs a timeout because, hey, I'm emotionally flooded and I need to breathe and get my thoughts together, respecting that, Mm -hmm. it's really healthy. I see a lot of couples that that timeout is very foreign. Right. So they don't respect it and then things get a lot worse because that the other person really needs that moment to breathe. So respecting what the other person needs to go back to what dialectical behavioral therapy calls um, wise mind, which is when we take emotion and then we take reason and we kind of like hold it together and and, and think, what do I want to do now that I have my emotions and, and, and logic? And, right. and But we, when we only um, act out with emotion, we're not thinking, right. you know, we really right. aren't thinking. So we just react and then we feel bad about our reaction. So really making sure that we have that communication and that conversation when we're both in wise mind, when we're both able to to look a little bit about of the facts, right. you know, and not just how I interpreted the situation, right. Right. but really the facts and and talk about it and, and see if we can compromise maybe, mm-hmm. you know, how can we understand each other? How can we be curious about how the other experienced and this thing that made us fight, you right. know, because it, it's usually triggers. Right. And do you believe in agree to disagree terms and couples? A hundred percent. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Agree to disagree, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I, I believe in it too because sometimes you can't come. It's not that you have to convince somebody to see your view, but sometimes it's just this is truly what I believe and right. this is truly what I believe. And you're just mm-hmm. like, yeah. Just and no you can understand, like you can make sense right. of how the other, of what the other person believes. Right. You can say, okay, it makes sense that you see it this way. And, and I see it this way. Right. right. Like you can make sense of it. You don't have to agree, approve. Right. Let's start talking a little bit about unhealthy relationships. Obviously, we know physical abuse is unhealthy. It's toxic. What are some other things that are toxic and unhealthy on the emotional side that you would say would be a red flag? Oh, my God. There's so many. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many. But mostly when people are striving from power and control, Mm -hmm. when people are striving from, from control, and it's usually due to fear, but they're controlling everything in the environment. So, and with the partner, so how they dress maybe, or what type of friends they have, who they are allowed to hang out with. You cannot do this, you can do this. Like very like, well, yeah. it's usually, Control. and it goes with the codependent dynamics mm-hmm. a little. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when, when you feel controlled, when you feel trapped, when you feel like you have no say, when you feel maybe that you're there's a lot of m- mistrust in the relationship 
um yeah it, it tends to go to a very toxic and abusive relationship yeah and how do you recommend you know a, a woman we're just going to say it because it's millennial women talk but like if a woman is in this scenario where somebody's literally you know controlling her environment those are the signs obviously that something is going wrong but how can she either get out of it or is she able to fix it or is this person just like this so i love that question it's really hard mm -hmm. i'm going to say it for the people that are hearing us right now and they're going through all this it it's not easy okay why because when when somebody's been controlled and maybe verbally abused and, and emotionally abused for a long time because usually it lasts mm -hmm, long right. their self-worth it's very 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 low or almost non-existent like mm -hmm. it's really low so thinking of leaving this person that has kind of alienated this person for from all of their support system mm -hmm. it it's really hard because mm -hmm. we need that support we need that connection mm -hmm. and and leaving this person with, who is usually the only person that i have right now the closest person to me in quotes because it, they're not right. very, really close right right right, <laughs> um, right right leaving them can feel very life threatening um because we need that connection and it, and we fear what what it's going to happen if right. i leave right. you know and and a lot of time there's a lot of fear of loneliness and and so many other fears so definitely getting help 100% getting help um getting that support and 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 finding that person that's going to help you make that baby steps to go to leave and to and to be fine by yourself right. and not go back because that's usually the pattern we leave and then we tend to fall back into the same relationship right. or yeah. another relationship with exactly the same patterns mm. right it's and, like a recognition thing yeah. where we sadly we feel comfortable so it's almost like it's familiar so then yes. they repeat it again yeah. it's familiar you know can a per can a controller person change is that possible I 100% think it is, but they have to want to. Right. They have to acknowledge that there's a problem. They have to acknowledge that that yeah, that they have things that they have to resolve and it's not the most common thing right, that I right. see people that are that strive from control and power to come and say, "Hey, I strive. <laughs> I have this issue. Yeah. I like to control my part." No, they are they're usually very defensive, placing yeah. all blame on their partner, and they really struggle with with being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So when they're not being vulnerable, then it's really hard for me to help because right. I need, like, in therapy, all we're doing is being vulnerable. Yep. And when I'm asking questions to get that a little of vulnerability out there and they're not giving me anything to work with, then it's really hard. Yeah. It's hard to get to the root of the problem yeah. for that. You know, and, and we've seen these scenarios before, and it breaks my heart for a lot of women that have gone through this. And like you, I've never really seen anybody completely change because it's hard. Where do you think that that stems from? I mean, it could stem from a lot of different things, but childhood, I mean, where have you maybe seen little glimpses where you're just like, ah, I think I know where this kind of started? Yeah, definitely childhood. There's a lot of scenarios that might have occurred in, in childhood, but... But yeah, usually I can't point to one because there's so many and there's so many different experiences. Right. 
but definitely there's a lot of trauma involved in childhood that made that person very, very defensive and 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 very. I don't want to say controlling, but striving a lot from control right. and from power. I do have seen people change. I'm proud to say That's that, mm-hmm. and I have. But usually they've been to, like, usually when they come to me, they've been to a lot of therapists and a lot of self-reflection, and now they're coming to me for the tools. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. they already did their their self-reflection of their past right. and like really dive into their trauma and now like okay what are the tools what do I do right. when I am emotionally flooded and I would right. just want to yell and scream right. and like um, bow mouth the other person <laughs> right. yeah and that's when I come in with all the mindfulness and and assertiveness and boundaries and all of these right. other tools right yeah what would be your advice to any listener that we may have that might be in a toxic relationship and is doing the work within herself but wants to get her partner in on the bandwagon right of the journey of self love of self discovery mm-hmm. of self bettering ultimately what would be your advice and how can you introduce this to your partner for them to do that work especially that personal self development work that they need to um that's such a good and hard question yeah <laughs> yeah When when people has have asked me that in therapy, how yeah. do I get my partner to come? Right. Usually they don't come because they there's some kind of taboo going on there. Right. So if I go to therapy, then that means I'm the problem, etc. Right. right. And I would really try to normalize it about that going to therapy. It's and and I even try to ask them like to tell the 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 husband or the wife mm-hmm. or, the, or the partner in general, to talk about therapy more as coaching mm. and as something that every single human being can come. Like you don't have to have a diagnosis or right. have or have a huge problem to come. Like literally I go to therapy when I'm very stressed at work. I call right. my therapist, <laughs> you know. there It doesn't have to be something big for me to, to go. You know, it's just support and... And it really allows ourselves to be human and to make mistakes and to grow. So really talk about it with the partner in a way where they don't feel like they're going to go and somebody's going to put a flashlight. Right. <laughs> and diagnose and, you and all this yeah. stuff. Diagnose you and yeah. judge you. and right. Yeah. So, right. Because I, f- I think like the fear of therapy is like just that when I enter here, I'm only going to be analyzed. How scary is that, right? Like, it is very scary. And I can see, especially, you know, in Miami or, like, Latin cultures, that's been such a stigma. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's almost been very shameful. Like, oh, you go to a therapist. But I love how we are starting to normalize it. And I do think that, especially in relationships or people that have picked up these, you know, bad habits and bad behaviors since childhood can actually now get help and not feel ashamed about yeah, it. Yeah. And I think that we are going to start seeing better relationships and women are not going to have to, quote unquote, suffer in silence exactly. how yeah. generations before us have. Exactly. Um, you know, I want to talk about, too, falling in love, right, and how exciting it is. But what happens and how have you seen people fall out of love? Because I've seen people be together for years mm-hmm. and they were so in love. They were like the perfect couple. And then all of a sudden they break up or divorced. And I say to myself and I wonder, when and how do people fall out of love? 
So it's, I compare it to when someone passes away because you okay. literally, you know, you're, you're with someone for so long yeah. and now it's worse. Not, it's not worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really hard because it's like you can reach out to them. They're there. Right. They're in the world. They're right. alive. And you can't mm -hmm. because let's say that the person broke up with you and they told you like I, I i really don't want to talk with you anymore and it's so hard because you know that person's there and you cannot talk to them and you're so in love with them so it, it is really hard and there's a grief that's going to happen mm -hmm. with literally the the same the same stages of grief when somebody passes away mm -hmm. and it 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 kind we experience the same thing when we break up uh, mm -hmm. with someone and and, and how allowing how do what how do they get there how, how do people actually say i don't love you anymore like wh why do they say those things or why does those why does that happen so there's so many things that can happen for for that to for, to reach that point mm -hmm. but usually you know, there's so many things that like you can maybe fall in love with another person or mm -hmm. um there's so much conflict that resentment be beats love right. because really like if there's something that beats love it's resentment mm. so wow so if there's so much conflict unresolved conflict going on then yeah you can wake up one morning and say i, I don't want to be here anymore mm. you know i care for you because i've been right. with you for so long but it's it's not love and and word, so many resentment. yeah yes. yeah it is it is or maybe i don't know long distance maybe they mm -hmm. didn't know how to connect Right. more and they reach a point where there's like no connection and then yeah I, I, there was connection at some point right. but then we kind of lost connection mm -hmm. right so there's so many things that can happen but it happens yeah it happens and I and I do get a lot of clients that that are experiencing that just experienced a breakup and they're hurting and 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 my job there is to really normalize all the feelings that they are having and to welcome them mm -hmm. because we tend to reject them. We tend mm -hmm. to put it under the rug and reject them mm -hmm. and try to be strong. Yeah. And that's when you really fall back again and harder. Right. And we need to feel those emotions in order to get through them. Mm -hmm. You cannot get, we cannot get over them. We need to get through them. Mm. Yes. And, and that's when when you feel all of them and, and you really welcome them and you really normalize it and not judge them, it's when you somehow can get to acceptance. Yeah. Have you seen, like, what are the different processes between men and women when it comes to grieving breakups? Um, have you seen any differences in just reactions in general? Yes, I mean, men tend to reject more the, the feeling, the feelings. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And men tend to ask l for help less than women because mm -hmm. they feel it's weak. Right, right. Maybe they put a Band-Aid more with other women, mm -hmm. you know, or other right. men if they're right. in same-sex marriage. But they, they, they put more Band-Aids. Mm. So instead of grieving... They just go and select another mate and... Mm. Like and, suppressing more of the yeah. feelings rather than actually experiencing yeah. them. It's important because I feel like, 
you know, we want to find that life partner. We're a team. Yeah, you know, we want to yeah. take on life together. But we're also individual people. We're also human beings. Yeah. And things are not always going to be the fairy tale. It's just not going to yeah. happen. And I also feel like, you know, a lot of people think, oh, with this lasting feeling, the beginning stages has to last forever. But life happens. About that. Do you yeah. have a question with that? Yeah, I want to dive deeper into that because... Why do people think that? And how do we stop that stigma? Because the reality is things going to happen. Finances, whatever is going to, things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we survive relationships? After the fairy tale stage. <laughs> so this is the thing. People go into relationships and they create this huge fantasy. Mm -hmm. mm. And they marry, they don't marry the men. They marry the fantasy. Right. And that's when trouble happens. Because when the fantasy when you start realizing that your fantasy is a fantasy, mm -hmm. it's, it's not real, and that's when you start fighting reality, which mm -hmm. is, I always talk in my Instagram about radical acceptance because I think it's huge. It's, it's when we really start letting go of, that, of those expectations and that fight towards right. reality, right. that it's not meeting your expectations. So yeah, I think that um, it's really important Maybe if you're listening to this before getting married, to know that life is, is life and it has ups and it has down and, and you're marrying someone that's completely different from you. Even if they're from the same culture, yeah, right. same school, trust me, I know, <laughs> <laughs> your neighbor. <laughs> Oh, your you husband know, is your neighbor? Oh, I was like, oh, wow. Well, actually, yes. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, that's actually, really, yes. Yes. We were. We had no idea, but we were. Oh, that's, that's really funny. Um, but, yeah, you're marrying someone else. You know, it's another human being with another childhood, another uh, other parents, you know. And it's so important to to know that, to know yeah. that that you're, you're going to marry and things are going to happen in life and you're going to realize. Uh, you're you're going to... So I always tell my clients, like... Realize that you're marrying someone that you're going to know, you're going to meet every day. You're going to know something about him or her. Right. You know, you really are. Yeah. And, and opening yourself up to that curiosity, which is one of my favorite words, mm -hmm. to, to meeting that person. You know, how they respond to life, what they like, what they don't like, how, what's their love language, you know, right. how, how, how do they like their ex cook or whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's their favorite type of movie, like you really are learning every single day. Yes. And opening yourself up to that really helps because when you don't open yourself up to meeting that person and you really know that you know him mm -hmm. because you've been with him or her right. for seven years, and then you realize that you don't, like, hey, this is not what I signed mm -hmm. that paper for. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it right. creates a lot of anger and, again, resentment. And you don't want that in, in, in your life. So I also think sometimes, like, I've seen people put such high expectations on their partners that have nothing to do with who the partner actually is. And I think sometimes there's a boundary or there's like, you know, you can believe in somebody, right? Believe that they can be this. But sometimes I feel like people have put such false, going back into the fantasy, such false expectations on people. Like they want them to be this, that, and that because that's what they want in their life. But ultimately that person's not that. And I have seen that going so hand in hand with these fantasies that we're talking about. And... um 
I think for the first time ever, we're being so practical mm-hmm. in yeah. our relationships today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing, I, at least my biggest takeaway, has been resentment and yeah. how that is a little sneaky little thing that begins to develop throughout the relationship and how crucial it is to be vulnerable with each other, communicative with each mm-hmm. other, and really accept, you know, and I, and I feel like, I mean, and, and, and you can jump in on this and give me some of your feedback, but, you know, as soon as you make that commitment with that person, you both have to be open to always saying, hey, there's something going on. We got to talk about it. Let's talk oh, about yeah. it. Let's overcome it. Let's move forward because it's not going to be perfect, Right. I'm not married, but I've been with my boyfriend for now 14 years since we were 18 years old. And I, and we did long distance twice and we've, we've been through a lot of things together. But, you know, when I look back at our relationship and why we're still here is because every time I hate to curse, but it's like shit hits the fan. (laughs) We're like, okay, what's going on? How can we solve this? And how can we move on? Because we're not going to stay in this arena forever. Um, and I'm seeing so many women in our generation now having what you're saying, these high expectations where eventually it's going to end up in resentment. And people just don't know how to communicate that to one another. What would you say to, you know, especially women jumping into marriage more importantly now, I, which gets me excited because I feel like our generation is really into like that We're long back term. into monogamy, I feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. which like, is so great. It's awesome. Um But, you know, for the ladies out there that are maybe having those very high expectations that eventually can cause their partner to be resentful towards them, what are some of the next steps that they could be taking to make sure that doesn't happen? So knowing how to ask for what they need, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe saying, like, let's say their expectation, let's say they grew up with a dad that always served the mom coffee in the mornings. (laughs) And and they have this, you know, fantasy of they waking up every single morning with the coffee (laughs) served. (laughs) And then, you know, talking about it with, you know, as simple as coffee. It can be anything. I'm just giving the coffee example. No, but you're right. (laughs) No, but it's very popular in our culture, actually. (laughs) And cafecitos. I'm going to talk to my husband tonight. Yeah. <laughs> he does, he's not serving me coffee. <laughs> and, but, but yeah, you know, being assertive. Again, being assertive about it and saying, hey, you know, I grew up like this. Mm-hmm. I grew up like this and I have this fantasy in my mind. You know, do you think you can be that person for me? Because this would really make me feel loved and mm-hmm. start my day in a, in a, in a positive note, you know. Um, do you think you can be that, that person for me? I, I, it's something that I really want from the relationship. I know it sounds very little and, and, and how do you say it? Very like minuscule. Very, minuscule, yeah. but it's something that's really important for me. So, and that person might say, of course, baby, you know, I'll I'll be that person. Or that person can say, you know what, I like to sleep late. (laughs) And and that's a need that I have to sleep late. And I really, as long, you know, I I would love to be that person, but I'm going to be 100% honest. I can be that person for months and then I'm sure I'm going to fall back to sleeping late because that's who I've been (laughs) for a long time. So what happens at that moment? He is either or she is either saying, yes, I'll be that person and committing. And now that that thing, it's not a fantasy, but it's something that was talked and agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Or they're taking that fantasy away and the other person is left with the choice. Do I want to be, you know, in this relationship where 
I'm being told that I'm not gonna have my coffee every morning. Right. Yes. Or not. Right. But it just, I guess you have to value what's important yeah. for you. Yeah. What's important for you. You know, is that something you can be like, that's that's fine. I can let that go. Mm-hmm. Or something like, no, this is a yeah. non-negotiable. Like, for example, I remember, that I'm, uh, this is me being a transparent. <laughs> like, literally, my husband, the first date, he was very brave. He <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of courage. The first date, he told me, I don't know what we were talking about, he told me, um, you know what, um, I'm... A fan of the Barcelona uh, football, oh, the, the uh, football soccer, soccer team, team yeah. yeah. And even if it's your grandmother's birthday, you know, I I need to watch the game wow. if it's playing. You know, it's that important to me. Wow. And I was a little shocked. You know, I arrived <laughs> home like <laughs> he's talking about my grandmother's birthday <laughs> and, and not being able to make it because of the because <laughs> of a soccer game. But <laughs> but I. Really, really appreciated yes. the honesty. And now we we don't have issues because of soccer. Like, right. his soccer is his soccer, and I don't mess with that. Yeah. But it's because it was talked about in the first date. Yes. <laughs> it's like, this is my non-negotiable sports. But I love that because it's sort of communication. Like, yeah. sometimes it's like, you know, you have these expectations that people will do it the way. But everybody's so different. And what's important to you is not important to, to the other. Right. And how right. easy can it be? It's the same way as now we're having conversations as women of like asking for that pay raise or like as simple as even that, we should be in our relationships. But how often mm-hmm. do our partners do something, right? And, you know, it disappoints us so deeply within. And then now that disappointment turns into an attitude yeah. instead of like a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And then the attitude is being displayed and all the time. And they're just saying, oh my God, what, or, you know, like what's wrong with this person? Yeah. But it's just, it's crazy how, how simple that could have been. It is. Been it's fixed. really simple. And we don't do it because somehow we're afraid of yeah. what's going to happen. You know, maybe he wouldn't have done it if he would have thought like, Maybe she's not going to go on a second date if I say this. Right. But he was very intelligent because he said, you know what, if he do- if she doesn't go on a second date because of this, then she's not for me. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And wouldn't you want to just know that right off the bat rather than like 15, 20 years in, 100%. Right? No, yeah. I think this is like a perfect segue to talk about boundaries and about talking about where you're just like, like for example, the perfect example was the coffee, right? Because it's almost like, I want you to feel special and loved and valued, but that's just not my thing. Yeah. So like it's, I, it's, a, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. It's just what <laughs> yeah. I need. How can we set healthy boundaries where we're not making our partner feel like crap or like, you know, not valued right. or appreciated? Because I think the intention is always like, obviously, we want to lift our partner up and make them feel the most special, but we have to set some boundaries because then one of us is going to be unhappy. Right. Yeah. You know, how do yeah. we set healthy boundaries? I'm a huge, huge fan of boundaries. Like for me, that that work of of teaching people how to set healthy boundaries yeah. in an assertive way, it's huge and life changing. Uh, so yeah, so it's a matter. I'm, I I can't like start giving all the tools because it, we're not going to end. You know, there's right. so many. <laughs> well, we could, this could be a five-hour <laughs> podcast We're going to have a part two, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> but it's really, it's really, really a matter of being an, uh, transparent, of being radical, honest yeah. about what we want, what we need, what we're willing to accept and what we're not willing to accept and, and taking responsibility 
of our lives. There's so many people and that have no idea how to set boundaries. They don't even know what boundaries are. And they and they come and they whine mm-hmm. about her our, how our coworker or partner or whoever it is is crossing our boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do they know what your boundaries are? Right. Right. You know, not how, how do they know <laughs> if you haven't tell, yeah. told them? Yeah. So it's it's really a matter instead of like placing blame on the other person, it's knowing, you know, wh- how am I playing a part here mm. and how can I talk about this with the other person? And it's a matter of being really, really transparent and being open to talking about feelings. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about feelings enough. Right. We like to just say, I just, I just didn't like how you opened the door so disrespectful you're so rude and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you, 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 you. You, you, yeah, you, yeah. And when we're able to say, you know what, I, I was sleeping and I suddenly heard this, you know, the door opening up so harshly. Right. And when I saw it was you opening the door instead of knocking, I felt very... Um, startled. Startled yeah. or maybe disrespected mm-hmm. or I felt very... Um, I don't know. I have to anything, see anything. Yeah, <laughs> anything that you felt at that yeah. moment, and and I really would like for the future if you can knock right. because that's really gonna make me feel safe or right. whatever it is. Right. But having that conversation and really being transparent about what's going on for you, it's gonna help the other person understand. Okay, there's yeah. a boundary, and for for I always give the typical boss and and worker example which is you know if my if 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 my job is 9 to 5 and the let's say your boss starts calling you at 9 10 11 to ask you for things and you don't like it but you respond right. in a really nice way because you right. love to be the best right <laughs> the yeah. best yeah, employee or whatever yeah. and what message are you giving the other person? Right. You're basically telling them without words, you can text me at whatever time and I'll be here for you. Right, right. And they have no idea that you don't like it. Yep. So it's your responsibility to say, hey, as much as I would love to respond after 5 am, I do like to to spend it with my family and be present with them. Right. So I'll appreciate if you only call me within business hours right. or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a fearful thing. Just to, because especially when it's your boss, you're like, oh, yeah, what if they yeah. fire me? What if they don't or even with your girlfriends? Right. Mm-hmm. So like I'll give you an example. I'm not a partier or a drinker. I, I don't like alcohol. I've never liked it. And I've always been afraid when my girlfriends are like, let's go out for drinks. Let's go to a club. And I was just like, I don't want to be the girl that's like, I don't want to go there because I'm not happy there. Because then they think, oh, what does she think? Is she too mm-hmm. good for us? But I think it's important that it will also too, you know, those are your true friends. And you also know if that boss or that place is someplace you really want to work at. Because people who truly care about you and your overall success, not just in the workplace, but your life, they're going to want to support you and say, you know what, that's okay. Mm. That's okay. I still care about you. I still think you're valuable if you're, you know, talking about an employee. But I think people are scared because of what people are going to think of them. And I think all it's about options. Yes. I think all it's about having options options and choosing so let's say you are assertive with your boss and you are saying the example i just gave Mm -hmm. and the boss tells you 
hey, then we cannot work together because I do need somebody that's available 24-7, right. then right there, you have right. a choice. Yep. You yep. have a choice. Um, you have the choice of leaving and finding another job that respects your time or you stop whining about it because right. that's what it is. That's yep. what it is. Yep. And you signed up for that. Yep. So, so it's a matter of knowing that you always have a choice, but mm -hmm. when you... When you're rejecting reality, that's when you suffer. Mm. Well, that's good. That is such a when good one. When you're rejecting reality, that's when you suffer. suffer. That's a good one. Yes. That's I'm a good one, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> On that this note, amazing. this conversation has been amazing. Yes. Thank you. Um, I hate to wrap it up because I still have a, quite a bit of questions. <laughs> but we got to do a part two for <laughs> sure. We will do a part two for sure. But any advice you would give to a millennial woman out there some good relationship advice, what would it be? Oh, gosh. I know, so broad. <laughs> so hard. So broad. What's your favorite? Uh, okay, give me a minute to think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely dive into your past mm. and be very aware of, of the patterns that you might be repeating mm. and make a choice to not to repeat them if there are destructive patterns and unhealthy patterns and get the help or the knowledge or yeah out there to to not repeat them because that's a very 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 common and i think it's just so avoidable yeah absolutely. so so let's do it let's not repeat patterns let's make a conscious choice to break that those cycles mm -hmm. of generations that are not helping and let's make a let's be that person to make that change that positive change that's going to impact generations to come absolutely that would be my beautiful my advice that's amazing stephanie thank, thank you so much for being here you were incredible we're so grateful for you <laughs> thank you for having me we're just so happy you're here in miami i know we can call you all the time <laughs> thank you for tuning into today's episode if you want to learn more about Stephanie, follow her on Instagram at Therapy Untangled. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Ladies, we can't say this enough. This helps us continue to bring you powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. Want free and discounted resources? Sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com because subscribers only get freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love, Melissa and Stephanie Carcace.